part five section seven of weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part five section seven meanwhile all the nearest relatives of the family who lived in the neighbourhood had arrived and the old freiherr was interred with much pomp in the family vault in the church at arzitten and now after the invited guests had departed the new lord of the entail appeared to shake off his gloomy mood and to be prepared to duly enjoy the property that had fallen to him along with v the old freiherr's justitiarius who won his full confidence in the very first interview they had and who was at once confirmed in his office the baron made an exact calculation of his sources of income and considered how large a part he could devote to making improvements and how large a part to building a new castle v was of opinion that the old freiherr could not possibly have spent all his income every year and that there must certainly be money concealed somewhere since he had found nothing amongst his papers except one or two bank-notes for insignificant sums and the ready money in the iron safe was but very little more than a thousand thalers or about a hundred fifty pounds who would be so likely to know anything about it as daniel who in his obstinate self-willed way was perhaps only waiting to be asked about it the baron was now not a little concerned at the thought that daniel whom he had so grossly insulted might let large sums moulder somewhere sooner than discover them to him not so much of course from any motives of self-interest for of what use could even the largest sum of money be to him a childless old man whose only wish was to end his days in the castle of arzitten as from a desire to take vengeance for the affront put upon him he gave v a circumstantial account of the entire scene with daniel and concluded by saying that from several items of information communicated to him he had learned that it was daniel alone who had contrived to nourish in the old freiherr's mind such an inexplicable aversion to ever seeing his sons in arzitten the justitiarius declared that this information was perfectly false since there was not a human creature on the face of the earth who would have been able to guide the freiherr's thoughts in any way far less determine them for him and he undertook finally to draw from daniel the secret if he had one as to the place in which they would be likely to find money concealed his task proved far easier than he had anticipated for no sooner did he begin but how comes it daniel that your old master has left so little ready money then daniel replied with a repulsive smile do you mean the few trifling tollers herr justitiarius which you found in the little strong-box oh the rest is lying in the vault beside our gracious master's sleeping cabinet but the best he went on to say whilst his smile passed over into an abominable grin and his eyes flashed with malicious fire but the best of all several thousand gold pieces lies buried at the bottom of the chasm beneath the ruins the justitiarius at once summoned the freiherr they proceeded there and then into the sleeping cabinet where daniel pushed aside the wainscot in one of the corners and a small lock became visible 
whilst the freiherr was regarding the polished lock with covetous eyes and making preparations to try and unlock it with the keys of the great bunch which he dragged with some difficulty out of his pocket daniel drew himself up to his full height and looked down with almost malignant pride upon his master who had now stooped down in order to see the lock better daniel's face was deadly pale and he said his voice trembling if i am a dog my lord freiherr i have also at least a dog's fidelity therewith he held out a bright steel key to his master who greedily snatched it out of his hand and with it he easily succeeded in opening the door they stepped into a small and low vaulted apartment in which stood a large iron coffer with the lid open containing many money-bags upon which lay a strip of parchment written in the old freiherr's familiar handwriting large and old-fashioned one hundred and fifty thousand imperial thalers in old frederick's door money saved from the revenues of the estate tale of r sitten this sum has been set aside for the building of the castle further the lord of the entail who succeeds me in the possession of this money shall upon the highest hill situated eastward from the old tower of the castle which he will find in ruins erect a high beacon tower for the benefit of mariners and cause a fire to be kindled on it every night r sitten on michaelmas eve of the year seventeen sixty roderick freiherr von r the freiherr lifted up the bags one after the other and let them fall again into the coffer delighted at the ringing clink of so much gold coin then he turned round abruptly to the old house steward thanked him for the fidelity he had shown and assured him that they were only vile tattling calumnies which had induced him to treat him so harshly in the first instance he should not only remain in the castle but should also continue to discharge his duties uncurtailed in any way as house steward and at double the wages he was then having i owe you a large compensation if you will take money help yourself to one of these bags as he concluded with these words the baron stood before the old man with his eyes bent upon the ground and pointed to the coffer then approaching it again he once more ran his eyes over the bags a burning flush suddenly mounted into the old house steward's cheeks and he uttered that awful howling whimper a noise as of an animal wounded to death according to the freiherr's previous description of it to the justitiarius the latter shuddered for the words which the old man murmured between his teeth sounded like blood for gold of all this the freiherr absorbed in the contemplation of the treasure before him had heard not the least daniel tottered in every limb as if shaken by an ague fit approaching the freiherr with bowed head in a humble attitude he kissed his hand and drawing his handkerchief across his eyes under the pretence of wiping away his tears said in a whining voice alas my good and gracious master what am i a poor childless old man to do with money but the doubled wages i accept with gladness and will continue to do my duty faithfully and zealously the freiherr who had paid no particular heed to the old man's words now let the heavy lid of the coffer fall to with a bang so that the whole room shook and cracked 
and then locking the coffer and carefully withdrawing the key he said carelessly very well very well old man but after they entered the hall he went on talking to daniel but you said something about a quantity of gold pieces buried underneath the ruins of the tower silently the old man stepped towards the postern and after some difficulty unlocked it but so soon as he threw it open the storm drove a thick mass of snowflakes into the hall a raven was disturbed and flew in croaking and screaming and dashed with its black wings against the window but regaining the open postern it disappeared downwards into the chasm the freiherr stepped out into the corridor but one single glance downwards and he started back trembling a fearful sight i'm giddy he stammered as he sank almost fainting into the justitiarius's arms but quickly recovering himself by an effort he fixed a sharp look upon the old man and asked down there you say meanwhile the old man had been locking the postern and was now leaning against it with all his bodily strength and was gasping and grunting to get the great key out of the rusty lock this at last accomplished he turned round to the baron and changing the huge key about backwards and forwards in his hands replied with a peculiar smile yes there are thousands and thousands down there all my dear dead master's beautiful instruments telescopes quadrants globes dark mirrors they all lie smashed to atoms underneath the ruins between the stones and the big balk but money coined money interrupted the baron you spoke of gold pieces old man i only meant things which had cost several thousand gold pieces he replied and not another word could be got out of him the baron appeared highly delighted to have all at once come into possession of all the means requisite for carrying out his favourite plan namely that of building a new and magnificent castle the justitiarius indeed stated it as his opinion that according to the will of the deceased the money could only be applied to the repair and complete finishing of the interior of the old castle and further any new erection would hardly succeed in equalling the commanding size and the severe and simple character of the old ancestral castle the freiherr however persisted in his intention and maintained that in the disposal of property respecting which nothing was stated in the deeds of the entail the irregular will of the deceased could have no validity he at the same time led v to understand that he should conceive it to be his duty to embellish our zitten as far as the climate soil and environs would permit for it was his intention to bring home shortly as his dearly loved wife a lady who was in every respect worthy of the greatest sacrifices the air of mystery with which the freiherr spoke of this alliance which possibly had been already consummated in secret cut short all further questions from the side of the justitiarius nevertheless he found in it to some extent a redeeming feature for the freiherr's eager grasping after riches now appeared to be due not so much to avarice strictly speaking as to the desire to make one dear to him forget the more beautiful country she was relinquishing for his sake otherwise he could not acquit the baron of being avaricious or at any rate insufferably close-fisted seeing that even though rolling in money and even when gloating over the old frederick's door 
he could not help bursting out with a peevish grumble i know the old rascal has concealed from us the greatest part of his wealth but next spring i will have the ruins of the tower turned over under my own eyes the freiherr had architects come and discussed with them at great length what would be the most convenient way to proceed with his castle building he rejected one drawing after another in none of them was the style of architecture sufficiently rich and grandiose he now began to draw plans himself and inspirited by this employment which constantly placed before his eyes a sunny picture of the happiest future brought himself into such a genial humour that it often bordered on wild exuberance of spirits and even communicated itself to all about him his generosity and profuse hospitality belied all imputations of avarice at any rate daniel also seemed to have now forgotten the insult that had been put upon him towards the freiherr although often followed by him with mistrustful eyes on account of the treasure buried in the chasm his bearing was both quiet and humble but what struck everybody as extraordinary was that the old man appeared to grow younger from day to day possibly this might be because he had begun to forget his grief for his old master which had stricken him sore and possibly also because he had not now as he once had to spend the cold nights in the tower without sleep and got better food and good wine such as he liked but whatever the cause might be the old grey-beard seemed to be growing into a vigorous man with red cheeks and well-nourished body who could walk firmly and laugh loudly whenever he heard a jest to laugh at the pleasant tenor of life at r sitten was disturbed by the arrival of a man whom one would have judged to be quite in his element there this was wolfgang's younger brother hubert at the sight of whom wolfgang had screamed out with his face as pale as a corpse's unhappy wretch what do you want here hubert threw himself into his brother's arms but wolfgang took him and led him away up to a retired room where he locked himself in with him they remained closeted several hours at the end of which time hubert came down greatly agitated and called for his horses the justitiarius intercepted him hubert tried to pass him but v inspired by the hope that he might perhaps stifle in the bud what might else end in a bitter life-long quarrel between the brothers besought him to stay at least a few hours and at the same moment the freiherr came down calling stay here hubert you will think better of it hubert's countenance cleared up he assumed an air of composure and quickly pulling off his costly fur coat and throwing it to a servant behind him he grasped v s hand and went with him into the room saying with a scornful smile so the lord of the entail will tolerate my presence here it seems v thought that the unfortunate misunderstanding would assuredly be smoothed away now for it was only separation and existence apart from each other that would he conceived be able to foster it hubert took up the steel tongs which stood near the fire grate and as he proceeded to break up a knotty piece of wood that would only sweal not burn and to rake the fire together better he said to v you see what a good-natured fellow i am herr justitiarius and that i am skilful in all domestic matters 
but wolfgang is full of the most extraordinary prejudices and a bit of a miser v did not deem it advisable to attempt to fathom further the relations between the brothers especially as wolfgang's face and conduct and voice plainly showed that he was shaken to the very depths of his nature by diverse violent passions late in the evening v had occasion to go up to the freiherr's room in order to learn his decision about some matter or other connected with the estate tale he found him pacing up and down the room with long strides his arms crossed on his back and much perturbation in his manner on perceiving the justitiarius he stood still and then taking him by both hands and looking him gloomily in the face he said in a broken voice my brother is come i know what you are going to say he proceeded almost before v had opened his mouth to put a question unfortunately you know nothing you don't know that my unfortunate brother yes i will not call him anything worse than unfortunate that like a spirit of evil he crosses my path everywhere ruining my peace of mind it is not his fault that i have not been made unspeakably miserable he did his best to make me so but heaven willed it otherwise ever since he has known of the conversion of the property into an entail he has persecuted me with deadly hatred he envies me this property which in his hands would only be scattered like chaff he is the wildest spendthrift i ever heard of his load of debt exceeds by a long way the half of the unentailed property in corland that fell to him and now pursued by his creditors who fail not to worry him for payment he hurries here to me to beg for money and you his brother refuse to give him any v was about to interrupt him but the freiherr letting v s hands fall and taking a long step backwards went on in a loud and vehement tone stop yes i refuse i neither can nor will give away a single taller of the revenues of the entail but listen and i will tell you what was the proposal which i made the insane fellow a few hours ago and made in vain and then passed judgment upon the feelings of duty by which i am actuated our unentailed possessions in corland are as you are aware considerable the half that falls to me i am willing to renounce but in favour of his family for hubert has married in corland a beautiful lady but poor she and the children she has borne him are starving the estate should be put under trust sufficient should be set aside out of the revenues to support him and his creditors be paid by arrangement but what does he care for a quiet life a life free of anxiety what does he care for wife and child money ready money in large quantities is what he will have that he may squander it in infamous folly some demon has made him acquainted with the secret of the hundred and fifty thousand dollars half of which he in his mad way demands maintaining that this money is movable property and quite apart from the entailed portion this however i must and will refuse him but the feeling haunts me that he is plotting my destruction in his heart 
no matter how great the efforts which v made to persuade the freiherr out of this suspicion against his brother in which of course not being initiated into the more circumstantial details of the disagreement he could only appeal to broad and somewhat superficial moral principles he yet could not boast of the smallest success the freiherr commissioned him to treat with his hostile and avaricious brother hubert v proceeded to do so with all the circumspection he was master of and was not a little gratified when hubert at length declared be it so then i will accept my brother's proposals but upon condition that he will now since i am on the point of losing both my honour and my good name for ever through the severity of my creditors make me an advance of a thousand frederick's door in hard cash and further grant that in time to come i may take up my residence at least for a short time occasionally in our beautiful r sitten along with my good brother never never exclaimed the freiherr violently when v laid his brother's amended counter-proposals before him i will never consent that hubert stay in my house even a single minute after i have brought home my wife go my good friend tell this marpiece that he shall have two thousand frederick's door not as an advance but as a gift only bid him go bid him go v now learned at one and the same time that the ground of the quarrel between the two brothers must be sought for in this marriage hubert listened to the justitiarius proudly and calmly and when he finished speaking replied in a hoarse and hollow tone i will think it over but for the present i shall stay a few days in the castle v exerted himself to prove to the discontented hubert that the freiherr by making over his share of their unentailed property was really doing all he possibly could do to indemnify him and that on the whole he had no cause for complaint against his brother although at the same time he admitted that all institutions of the nature of primogeniture which vested such preponderant advantages in the eldest born to the prejudice of the remaining children were in many respects hateful hubert tore his waistcoat open from top to bottom like a man whose breast was cramped and he wanted to relieve it by fresh air thrusting one hand into his open shirt frill and planting the other in his side he spun round on one foot in a quick pirouette and cried in a sharp voice Pshaw! what is hateful is born of hatred then bursting out into a shrill fit of laughter he said what condescension my lord of the entail shows in being thus willing to throw his gold pieces to the poor beggar v saw plainly that all idea of a complete reconciliation between the brothers was quite out of the question to the freiherr's annoyance hubert established himself in the rooms that had been appointed for him in one of the side wings of the castle as if with a view to a very long stay he was observed to hold frequent and long conversations with the house steward nay the latter was sometimes even seen to accompany him when he went out wolf-hunting otherwise he was very little seen and studiously avoided meeting his brother alone at which the latter was very glad v felt how strained and unpleasant this state of things was and was obliged to confess to himself that the peculiar uneasiness which marked all that hubert both said and did was such as to destroy intentionally and effectually all the pleasure of the place 
he now perfectly understood why the freiherr had manifested so much alarm on seeing his brother end of part five section seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine